Howdy. This podcast contains explicit content. We do our best to announce potential triggers. Sources can always be found in the episode notes and picture references can be seen on our Instagram at the dog hair is free. Use the same handle at the dog hair is free to find us on all other social media platforms. Ratings and reviews really help expose the podcast to new listeners. So we'd really appreciate you all taking the time to leave us a note. Thanks for your time. The dog hair is free. Totally heard it that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listening to it back. Yeah. Yeah. So at the beginning of the first part of this, Taylor mentioned that in this... If you're a dork and you started listening to the second part, go back and listen to the first part. Well, just a reminder, like we were talking about the music and I was like, it's like an old Western ghost town. And he was like, that's nice. Um, It's actually supposed to be like... (laughs) (laughs) It's actually a countrified version of the Jurassic Park theme. Jurassic Park theme. So I listened to it again and was like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. Well, I meant to mention it, um, the first episode too. What started as my attempt at, I want to do a rendition of the Jurassic Park theme, but as Dinosaur Jr. So that I get like a kind of a... Like the band Dinosaur Jr. Yes. Okay. So I get like an inception, like, like it's 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 the dinosaur theme song mm-hmm. as done by a band who's a dinosaur. <laughs> but aren't they like a punk band? Yeah. 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 Oh. Um. Yeah. Jay Mascus and uh, I don't know the rest of the guys, but um. But yes. Um. It's yeah. Like a. They started in the 80s, um, like a pop, or not a pop, oh my god, not a pop, Uh, like a punk, maybe borderline grunge, not so much grunge, but just like a dirty, like, punk. Yeah, but that's that's country. And hence, (laughs) hence me saying it started as me wanting to do that. Oh, oh, okay, (laughs) okay, I got it. And then, yeah, I don't know how I got onto that i think i just got like fed up with trying to do something that sounded like dinosaur banjo and i pulled out the banjo (laughs) and then i got fed up with trying to do that fucking banjo like that i was doing and you came back at some point to like tell me that dinner was ready while i was working on it yeah because i'm not discreet i will open up the door and i like (laughs) threw my head back and rolled my eyes with the banjo in my lap like about to scream that i couldn't do that run that i was trying to do yeah and i got it eventually Yep, it it's just cool. Took twenty times. It's cool. It's it's okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, we also started off the last episode with all of the like shit food I've eaten. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just want an update. So during the break, I had a handful of barbecue Pringles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where we're at now. We're in slightly better spirits though, and this is the cool thing about. And I'm gonna like get on a soapbox for a second. I or lay on a therapist's couch. <laughs> yes, more so that. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall off of the soapbox into a chaise lounge. No, no, no. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get up on my soapbox so that I can lay down on my couch. Yeah. Okay. Um. The the podcast is really cool. 
it's really something that I. <laughs> this is pretty neat. <laughs> it's so cool. It's something that I enjoy doing, and it it gives us because our our days are like so fucking busy with work and talking about work and then house chores and whatever yeah. else. So sitting down and like doing the podcast for us has been awesome because we don't always like it, for those of you out there that are living with somebody, you you don't realize like how little you can actually talk to someone that you're living with mm-hmm. when you're like having a hard time with something. Um so it's cool to have the podcast as an excuse essentially to get down and like devote an amount of time to actually yeah. talking to your significant other. Well, and it pulls you away from the rough things that we've already talked about and mm-hmm. have incessantly talked about and have either found solutions or can't find solutions or can't find a middle ground on. So this is something that we can kind of put the world aside and just mm-hmm. have fun and communicate and share things that we like with each other and memories with each other and to say, do you remember that time and da da da? And yeah. I think that it, it was very hard for us to start this today. Yeah. In recording right. today because we were in such bad spirits. Like mm-hmm. we've just had a very difficult holiday mm-hmm. season. Well, it, the, the the December season for me especially is difficult for various reasons. Yeah. And just can attest to it. It's every 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 December I have a really hard time with the holidays. And, yeah. And it's and just else. and everybody else in the world, it's all very heightened because we're all dealing with the same problems. We all, you know. Yeah. So everybody's on edge and everybody's taking it out on everybody else and mm-hmm. you just kind of have to sit and take it at some points or if you don't, then you deal with those consequences. So anyways, yeah, not to not to harp on all the like yeah. heavy holiday stuff because yeah. this is supposed to be a, re- a reprieve for both us and and you listening. Yeah. But hey, I'm in much better spirits after yeah. doing that first episode and laughing and having a good time. And I hope that as as good of a mood as this has put me in and talking to to my partner and talking to Jess, I hope you out there listening are also having a good time and we can distract you from yeah. some holiday uh, turmoil or just your work turmoil because We keep Mm. saying holiday turmoil, but work problems have always kind of hovered as well. And that's maybe not related to the holidays, but feels heightened because of the holidays. Yeah, I mean, it's anything. The the goal of the podcast is to, like, educate but entertain at the same time. Mostly entertain. (laughs) Mostly entertain. (laughs) Because the amount of times that you have to repronounce things and the amount of times that I have to realize I'm getting us far off track. Yeah. Um. It's a it's a fun thing, and it's we do it because it's fun. We'd like to make money off of it eventually. So hey, if there are any sponsors out there listening that would like to sponsor the podcast, we would not be opposed. But in all honesty, it's a it's a fun thing. Yeah, and it it started as a fun thing, and we're gonna continue to make it a fun thing. So yeah. I actually one more note got a a very nice um, comment from. A friend and listener and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name him by name because he got two in the last episode <laughs> <laughs> and he knows who he is and i hope he gets a good laugh listening to this um but uh it might be jared winkler um he sent a very nice note that about, was that made um, my day when you showed me that yeah well yeah. and that's yeah it, it's cool to know that people are having a good time listening yeah to you, so at my 
fucking stupidity at your expense <laughs> so anyway but that's okay if it's at my expense it's it's not hurting me i guess nah. <laughs> we're all we're laughing with you yeah we're not laughing at you no. we're laughing with you. <laughs> So anyway, long right. story short. Yeah, that's enough. Thanks for thanks for listening. And we're gonna keep pumping out content and yep. Yeah. We just appreciate it. It's a good time. <clears throat> okay, stop. <laughs> stop. We're gonna no, read go. Yeah, we're gonna recap a little bit. So it's August twelfth, nineteen ninety. Susan Hendrickson and crew from Black Hills Institute or BHI were excavating an area owned by a cattle rancher, Maurice Williams. You should start remembering names at this point. Oh, no. Yep. Say it one more time. <laughs> Sue Hendrickson okay. found Sue. Correct. Maurice Williams, mm-hmm. cattle rancher, mm-hmm. owns the land that Sue was found on. Gotcha. Okay. Maurice Williams and Sue. Yeah. When Hendrickson noted a couple of vertebrae sticking out. Oh, uh, fuck me. Fuck me, man. <laughs> my, my pacing and timing is all off. Because I'm like sitting there looking at you like Maurice Williams, Maurice Williams. Well, in my memory, shit. Sue, so. Susan Hendrickson, oh, yeah. Hendrickson. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. So are you going to refer to them by last name? Yeah, I'm going to refer to Sue, Susan Hendrickson as Hendrickson. Okay. Yeah. And the other person as? He will always be Maurice Williams. First and last name. Yeah, I don't. Hoity-toity. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, Maurice Williams has got a very nice ring to it. That's Susan my, Hendrickson is a little long. That's Ryan. Ryan has always called me uh, Taylor Brown. Yeah, it's just, easy. Just because it's a, yeah. a, a, got a nice ring to it, I guess. But it's anyway. One, it's like the one syllable in Brown. It's just easy. Just might as well it? say it. Okay. Um. So when... So, yeah, remember names. Mm-hmm. Um. So... August 12th, 1990, Susan Hendrickson noted a couple of vertebrae sticking out of an eroded (laughs) bluff. Remember that? Yes, I do. The BHI reportedly bought the fossil from Williams. (laughs) So pretty fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, I will always be calling him Maurice Williams. Nah. They bought it from Williams. (laughs) All right. Got it moving on god can i just start over no you can't keep going the bhi reportedly bought the fossil from maurice williams for 5k and wrote quote unquote theropod skeleton okay on the memo line okay then the team sets out to excavate the whole skeleton to display at the institute so part two begins let's just look at black hills institute really fast Mm mm-hmm uh, the Black Hills Institute was founded in 1974 by brothers Petal. Petal. <laughs> <laughs> there was my firstborn, Petal Brown. There was I went to school with a Petal. No, I did. Yeah, Petal. I went to. I what went kind to of sc- child was he? I went to school with two Petals. There was what the fuck? There was elder. Um, <laughs> elder Petal. <laughs> younger <laughs> there was elder female petal <laughs> and um and younger male petal <laughs> they were both lovely people and last I, name petal and i do miss them last, were, last name petal yes yeah, yeah okay we just we, we refer to them as <laughs> as petal but yeah no, last name last name petal <laughs> don't make fun of my friends <laughs> fuck you oh, making fun fuck. of my friends <laughs> 
Oh, maybe it was a bad idea to keep recording. No, nah, it's great. Keep okay. Going. The Black Hills Institute was founded in 1974 by brothers Peter and Neil Larson. Okay, so I see how you got people. <laughs> keep going. Don't get distracted. Keep going. I can't. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Just has, for the, for the second time in this recording session, has tears in her eyes. <laughs> I can see the, like, monitor screen glinting off of her iris. Okay. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, Peter. Peter. Peter and Neil Larson. Peter and Neil Larson. We're really going to hear more about Peter, though. Okay. Um, according to an article on linkspringer.com that I'm heavily going to source for this part. Uh, the brothers created the private institute from their love of fossil hunting, research, and controversially trading the more you research about how like museums and scientists get their hands on artifacts you may start forming an opinion on how ethical it might be Hmm. um this is a very off-topic recommendation but the book the lost city of the monkey god by douglas preston has very interesting and seemingly honest insight on how the artifacts are located and removed from an archaeological site is that the that's the one you gave me for like a holiday or something, I think. That was supposed to be the other one, but then the guy at Barnes yes. & Noble recommended it instead and was like, this one's so much better than that yes. one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, Douglas Preston, is he? he's known as like a National Geographic journalist, and so mm-hmm. he's like invited uh, for this like archaeological venture yeah, yeah, yeah. to find this lost city. He meets all kind of... Fun characters, fun and it's characters. a good Disney romp, and yeah, we all have a good it's time. It's a great time. They all get leashman asses. <laughs> we should we should do like a we should do an episode on that. Uh, maybe we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, not to get off topic <laughs> for the fifth fiftieth yeah. time. Well, it, I say maybe it's hard with like books because then I'm just like talking about what's written in the book, and then I'm afraid people won't like go actually read it for themselves. I mean, so unless I'm like just using the book as a reference for a part. I don't mind doing that, but if I'm just like talking about the book, mm-hmm. then I'm like, mm. yeah. except yeah. for like times like like our first episode where it's like the uh, the illustrative Wayne Barlow. Yeah, that was mainly illustration though. Right, and it's also a very old book, so it's right. like true. It, people aren't just going to go find it on a shelf somewhere. Yeah, eh, we can talk about it later. Yeah, off offline as yeah. as those in corporate America say. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, Sue is excavated and begins preparation at BHI. The following year, 1991, Peter Larson introduced Sue at an SPV meeting in San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. SPV is the Society of Vertebrate Paleontologists. Wow. Uh, Oddly specific, but okay. Yeah, they do a lot. I find I found like all my researchers always somebody saying that with the SPV. It's like, okay. This acted as the first official introduction of sue to the scientific community he states that sue will be prepared at the bhi and will never be sold for profit as the fossil would remain at the institute for research Hmm. um according to the same article uh he seemed to have a reputation for his quote-unquote commercial interest Hmm. allegedly Hmm. this is all opinion (laughs) yeah I'm not quoting facts from the site. Because you don't want some angry paleontologist knocking on our door. Sue me. So it's funny to note that he wouldn't, it wouldn't be sold for profit. 
um, because it's it's kind of like a little kid who has a reputation for hitting people with a stick. I know a lot of kids like that. Picks up a stick and says, "I'm not going to hit you with the stick." Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> are you tapping into your old uh, kinder care yes. experience? Um, but these alleged "quote unquote" commercial interests scares the community because the consent, the constant selling and trading of specimens, can compromise the scientific value by restricting its access to researchers. Um, there's also, you know, physical damage that could happen, but it, it's mostly about that, like, restriction of access for most scientists. Hmm. So here come the feds. May 1992, the FBI raid BHI and take Sue and all related documents. A U.S. District Judge, Richard Beatty, issued a warrant on the grounds of alleged criminal activity, which claims that BHI had stolen the fossil from the federal government property and had also cited violations of the Antiquities Act of 1906. Oh, wow. So they just straight up, like... Busted in there. Like, what's the what's the phrase? Um, search, search and seizure or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. They just straight up, like, busted up yep. and were like, we're taking this. Yeah, DMX, knock, knock, <laughs> open up the door, it's real. <laughs> Wow. Um, A U.S. attorney, Kevin Schaefer, remember that name? Okay. Authorities uh, authorize, oh, fuck, authorizes the seizure, and Sue is locked away in a storage at the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology in Rapid City. Hmm. But wait, let's talk about the Antiquities Act of 1906. Okay. Thank God. I was about to reel into you for saying, but wait, there's more. (laughs) According to the National Park Service's site, the act was the first U.S. law to provide general protection for any general kind of natural resource. It establishes the first natural national historic preservation policy for the U.S. and gives the president the authority to protect historic landmarks, historic and prehistoric structures, <laughs> structures, and other historic or scientific interests that are situated upon the lands owned or controlled by the U.S. That's mouthful. The areas would be then designated national monuments, quote-unquote, and the federal agencies assigned to them would maintain them. Once the act was in motion, an act of Congress and presidential approval is needed to designate an area as a national monument. In Section 3 of the Act, in order to examine or excavate a site, a permit is needed. The permit is issued by the Secretary of the Department in charge of the land and would only be issued to reputable institutions. So, TLDR, the U.S. owns this <coughs> stolen land. Want to dig? Got to pay the troll toll. <laughs> 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 no no yeah oh danny devito but uh larson totally did own sue because his friend susan found it and his institute bhi paid maurice williams and the land owner so it was totally cool all right i'm gonna need you to back up from the mic <laughs> but yes But a quick reminder, the land that Maurice Williams used for his cattle ranch was on the Cheyenne Sioux Reservation, Mm -hmm. the Cheyenne River Sioux Reservation. Mm -hmm. And uh, Maurice Williams himself identified as being Native American. Mm. 
And with that land being part of the reservation and owned by Williams, it was technically being held in trust by the U.S. Department of Interior. Real quick, a land trust is when a legal entity takes ownership or authority over a piece of land at the request of the property owner. Okay. So that was government land. And also, remember the whole shadiness around, like, Larson's commercial interests? Mm -hmm. Well, it seems to me that they were just waiting for the right chance to corner him because entered into the fray, Vincent Santucci, a paleontologist and National Park Service ranger. He had been suspicious of Larson, and when he found out that Sue had been, when he found out about Sue, he told on Larson. This motherfucker tattled. Yeah. (laughs) He told the National Park Service, who then told the Cheyenne Sioux River Tribe, who then issued a complaint to the U.S. Attorney, Kevin Schaefer, Mm. which led to the FBI raid. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Larson doubles down, hires a lawyer, Patrick Duffy, and decides to, quote, sue for sue. Pause for laughter. In total, there were four trials between 1992 and 1994. The first two were about the seizure of the fossil. They were trying to determine if it was constitutional to raid BHI for the fossils. Also, BHI was stressing the fuck out about getting the fossil in a safer location as to not cause any further damage, if there was damage. Mm-hmm. And the court's like, yeah, no, it was totally cool that we did that. Stop complaining. We'll find a better babysitter for the bones. Yeah, there's like a whole part where they're like trying to find like a custodian. And they just like really were like, I, we don't care if we have it. Like, it doesn't matter. Just like, please, for the love of God, store these bones in a not tech school for mining. <laughs> 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 Right. Um, So the next two trials about who actually owns the fossil. So during the first two trials, the Department of Justice, the Department of Interior, and the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe all called dibs on Sioux. But that's not what those two trials about. So it kind of just like planted the seeds for the next two trials. Mm -hmm. And BHI was still like, yeah, but finders keepers... And they were also like, what the fuck are you going to do with 10 tons of fucking bones, dude? Just let us have this damn. Like, like, why are you trying to take this from us? Mm -hmm. So this next bit is referenced from a book by Steve Fiver, Tyrannosaurus Sue, the extraordinary extraordinary saga of largest most fought over T-Rex ever found. I'm just, if we can like, like just a slight pause for a second. I just, I'm like this whole thing. I'm imagining a T-Rex in like... Like on the stand? Yeah. In like a lavender, like <laughs> like pantsuit? How did you know it was lavender? <laughs> did, what, really? Yeah. Well, like a, like, a, like a really nice like purple... I was thinking a dress, actually, not a pantsuit. Oh. But like... Cause, cause no, it's a pantsuit because that means that Power. you are in control. Power. Yes. <laughs> she is in control. And she is uh, the ty- the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah, I've got a bite force. Uh, <laughs> I can crush <laughs> so can, many watermelons. That can knock your fucking socks off. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just, I'm imagining a T-Rex showing up to court dates in, like, professional clothing. And, yeah. And, and, like, little tiny glasses. And, yeah. And, uh, and dramatically, like, removing them mm-hmm. from its face mm-hmm. to just be like... I'm present and I'm listening, but I don't need to look at anyone right now. <laughs> anyway. So, yes, I am I am sourcing or I'm referencing the Steve Fiver book, Tyrannosaurus, Tyrannosaurus Sue, The Extraordinary Saga of Largest Most Fought Over T-Rex Ever Found. Um, 
So later down the line, Williams, the cattle rancher, is all like, the bones are mine. And he claims that he never accepted BHI's check as payment, but as consent to dig. It's mm-hmm. an interesting loophole. Yeah. But like, I remember the memo on that check and it said theropod skeleton. So. Mm. And here we are. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So ABC's News Primetime Live does a segment where they invite everyone who claims to own Sue on TV. Huh. Which it it's kind of, they kind of did that. Like it feels very tongue in cheek because the local newspaper certainly in like North Dakota, no, South Dakota kind of did something. Uh, and they were like writing like who owns Sue, you know, and they were like having people write in. And, mm. and so then like ABC saw that and kind of just like put it to national well, that's news. News is not about the news. It's about what can what can get views and yeah. entertainment. So they invite everybody who to who claims to own Sue on TV. The correspondent is Sylvia Chase, and she interviews four men. We have Maurice Williams, who represents himself. Greg Bo- Bowerland, representing the Sioux tribe. Kevin Schaefer, representing the government, and Peter Larson, representing himself and BHI. This is a passage taken directly from the book of the interview. On camera, correspondent Sylvia Chase asks the same question of four grown men. Chase, who owns Sue? Maurice Williams. If the laws of the land mean anything, I own it. Greg Bowerland. We believe we do. The Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. Kevin Schaefer. The public owns Sue. Peter Larson. The Black Hills Museum of Natural History Foundation. These quadraphonic I-do's brought to mind four children squabbling over the last piece of pie. Each child intractable. Chase asked Williams why he claimed ownership. Quote, isn't it it the money? Quote, it's always the money, says Williams. So she like called him out on TV and she was like, are you just doing this for the money? And he's like, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. As far as outside support goes for BHI, it was pretty divided. Mm-hmm. Some paleontologists were like super cool with Larson and said that he did great work. Um, specifically, one note was like he did great work, like pro- like propping fossils, like like the stands that hold the rock in the fossil, mm-hmm. which was an interesting. Like he's really fucking good at that. <laughs> <laughs> you want a man to make stands for your rocks, Peter Larson? Boy, do I have a man for you. Um, but while others were like, sure, he was the devil himself. Hmm. Um, some even sent letters to the government being like, yeah, great job on that raid. Hmm. Great job. <laughs> weird. Yeah. Weird, weird thing to devote time to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because like the Larson was uh, kind of allegedly known for like his commercial interests. So like, I think he ruffled feathers because people saw him as somebody who just sold shit. Hmm. For right. profit and not for scientific research, so it like limited researchers being able to get to items to study. Hmm. So let's let's finish with the law stuff really quick. In the un in, in the und, God damn it! In the end, <laughs> in the end, <laughs> in, in the, the end. <laughs> oh, I'm fucking losing it. <laughs> it's that's how. That's how the the last <laughs> Lord of the Rings bit, uh, yeah. movie starts. In, In the, the end, <laughs> uh, I should make a new language. You should. We're In, gonna we're gonna 
Okay. <laughs> the dog hair is free merch. We're going to make a shirt. Just a list of all the of words. all <laughs> of the mispronunciations that Jess has done throughout the course of the show this far. In the end, Judge Beatty ruled that Larson and BHI did not own the fossil. And although Williams was a Native American on the reservation, he was only in secondary ownership of the fossil as his land was in trust to the government and he did not seek permission to remove the fossil from the ground. So Williams had no right to sell the fossil without permission and anything he had gotten from BHI was null and void. And in my mind, I imagine that the government just like unloaded the bones back into the hole where they found it (laughs) on his property (laughs) and then just like tearing that check in half. And then letting it fall to the ground. (laughs) These are not ours anymore. So after the ruling, Maurice Run My Check Williams said pretty please and asked for permission to sell Sue and his request is granted. The court suggests a fun and very relaxing auction for these priceless bones. (laughs) Fun and relaxing. Yeah. And in 1996, Sue is shipped to Sotheby's in uh, New York City for auction which is one of the world's largest brokers of fine and decorative art, jewelry, and collectibles. Mm. There are over there are around 80 locations, but the US headquarters is in New York City. Which is super interesting and I'd really like to research more about that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I, that just sounds cool. Mm. Like, what? I wonder I what's just, gone through there. Well, I just imagine a bunch of like hoity-toity jade statues and stuff. I imagine Hunter Hunter. <laughs> okay yeah like the world's auction yeah yeah um the york new auction yep yo what it just clicked oh do you think it's maybe it's the so so the york new the so the bees so the bees so the bees i don't know it's s-o that sounds like h-e-b-y so so the buy that sounds like a, a really good band name. So the by. So the bees. So the bees. So the bee. Anyway, we are way off topic. I think it's English. All right, I'm going to need you to reel it in. <laughs> um, The following year, bidding begins at 500K. Hmm. In less than 10 minutes, Sue is bought for over $8 million. I was about to say, 500K seems low. Eight for... million. <laughs> Williams is paid around seven million of that, which is great to hear. But who the fuck's got eight million laying around? The Field Museum of Chicago does. Not your mama? (laughs) No. Sorry. (laughs) Your mama. Um, but kinda. They don't it's not really it's they have some major financial assistance from McDonald's. Disney and private donors. And here we are at McDonald's. Yes. I've been waiting. I've been waiting since the first episode. So do you expand? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Go on. McDonald's has a whole fossil prep lab in the Field Museum. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? The same people you buy your chicken nuggies from? <laughs> they dust the dinosaur bones. <laughs> they said they said, yo, Tyson got the dinosaur chicken nuggies on lock. We missed out on an opportunity. Yeah. It's not going to happen again. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's located on the third floor, and it's fr- fully viewable for the public. Um, in this lab, they remove all the dirt and shit to get to the fossil. 
using mechanical, manual, and chemical methods. And then repurpose the dirt and shit into their chicken nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> they also repair and reconstruct specimens, microsort, which is when they're looking for the tiny fossils, mm-hmm. make molds and casts, organize and store specimens, maintain the lab, and keep records. I cannot believe the McDonald's is doing this. Yeah. yeah. The current chief prep, uh, preparator mm-hmm. is Akiko Shinya. Shinya? Mm-hmm. Akiko Shinya. And by her bio on the site, she sounds like really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a thanks, I guess, the Field Museum gave Disney a replica of Sue for exhibition at Disney World. And Mickey D's got two replicas to take on tour as a traveling exhibit called A T-Rex Named Sue. Wow. Yeah. I'm not I'm not nearly as surprised that Disney has a hand in it yeah. as much as McDonald's. Yeah. To learn more about the Field Museum, you can check out um the Field Museum at the field or fieldmuseum.org. Just fieldmuseum.org. Do you think McDonald's is interested in the T Rex because the closest living relative to the T Rex is the chicken? You know? And they're trying to spin it into I, some kind of like I think they like the fossil fuels so they can keep the stores going. That could also be it. <laughs> I prefer to believe that they are trying to do some type of Jurassic Park, but they make T Rexes so they can make more chicken nuggies. And they make giant chickens. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause do you know how many chicken nuggets you can make? Out of one T Rex. Out of one T Rex. <laughs> I know they're as big as a bus. <laughs> <laughs> all right keep, keep keep going and five and I, 55 11 inch screens no 11 55 inch stop, screens stop stop you know that we're off the rails when i'm trying to stop myself from like going with it um <laughs> and yeah that's where sue rests to this day wow in the field museum in chicago if you visit the the museum in Chicago, you can see Sue on the second floor in the Griffin Halls of Evolving Planet. Okay. So, two reasons for us to go to Chicago then. Yeah. One, to see Sue. Uh-huh. And two, to go to Chicago Music Exchange. Oh. Yep. We need to that, that actually, like, I was doing this research and the whole time I was like, I want to go there. We I'll, should go I'll to Chicago. For, we'll, we'll go for our anniversary. Here we go. When is y'all, that? <laughs> y'all are getting an inside peek of the, the lives of Jessica and Taylor. So that's where part two. I know it's shorter, but that's that's where I'm going to end part two. Um, little teaser for part three. So what the fuck about Sue? <laughs> I came here to talk about dinosaurs and all I got was law bullshit. And you got the Italian like pinchy fingers. What, what the, the fuck about Sue? What the fuck about Sue? Um, so... Sue was alive during the Cretaceous period, which is about 67 million years ago. And despite being named a generally female name, we do not actually know the sex of Sue. Because, well, not because. Well, we just don't have any organs. Right. Not we don't know the sex because blah, blah, blah. But she was only named Sue. She, quote unquote, was only named Sue because of the person that found her. Yeah. But so I, I, for for continuing, I'm going to use they, them pronouns. (laughs) Okay. We we you. can't tell. Like we if they could tell by the hips and stuff, they would have done that by now. I just don't think Sue is going to knock on our door or send us a dirty email 
I'm not worried about Sue. Being upset. I'm not worried about that Sue. That we misgendered her. <laughs> um, we do not, we do know that Sue was alive for about 28 years, which is close to what we believe to be the life expectancy of a T-Rex. Hmm. And we know Sue's age based on the growth rings in her bones. Similar to how a tree has growth rings. Correct. Yep. And aside from their age, Sue's bones can tell us a hell of a lot more about their life. Hmm. And we will talk more about that in part three. I'm so excited. Yeah. Part part three is going to be all cool T-Rex shit. All right. So buckle up. And in the meantime, we're going to eat more barbecue Pringles. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe cry. Hmm. <laughs> we'll see. All right. See you tomorrow. Yep.